Brilliant. I'm really excited about tonight. I'm so excited. I'm going to put my phone over here so I don't get distracted. Um, I want to talk to you tonight about atmosphere. Now, atmosphere is a weird thing to say that I'm going to talk to you tonight about, but I want to say that atmosphere is really, really important. Has anyone ever had a science lesson in their life? Ugh, who's got science tomorrow? Yeah, that's something. That is something to look forward to. You will know, if you've ever had a science lesson, that atmosphere is really important for things to grow. If plants are going to grow, the atmosphere has to be really right. In order for growth to occur, atmosphere has to be perfect. And atmosphere is really, really important. Now, I am a big, massive Liverpool fan. Tomorrow night we play Man United, which I'm already nervous about. Um, and one thing that is really important to Liverpool fans and our ground called Anfield is about the atmosphere. Every now and again, there's a big game where the atmosphere is brilliant. When, it, when we play small teams like Aston Villa and West Brom, the atmosphere is not very good because we don't really care about those teams because they're rubbish. And, but when we, when we play big teams like Man United, the atmosphere is huge. And last season, Liverpool got to the Europa League's uh, final. Unfortunately, we lost the final. Um, but I had the privilege of getting a ticket for the semi-final. And when Liverpool fans are on form, the atmosphere is amazing. And I picked up on Twitter that Liverpool fans were planning to meet two hours before the game on the roads leading up to our ground. And they were going to welcome the team bus in. And they were going to line the streets and sing songs and set off flares and smoke bombs and they were going to sing and welcome the team to set the atmosphere. So I was going, I had my dad's ticket and I went with my mum and my sister. Me, my mum and my sister, we went up a couple of hours before the game started. We got ourselves pitched on somebody's front garden, on their garden fence and stood on their garden fence and we waited for the team buses to arrive and there were thousands of people on these tiny streets. And I want to show you a little video of what went on. It is absolute madness. This video comes with a health warning that you may hear me singing at some point during the video. Okay, take a look at the screens. This is before the semi-final last year. So we're singing songs about Liverpool. So there's the bus just coming in. It's literally just the bus going through some people, but I loved it. my sister. Honestly, Come on, Rich. 
There we go. So there was that much red smoke getting set off. Every other person had a smoke bomb. Apparently, the team bus got filled with smoke. There was that much red smoke on the streets leading up. Afterwards, I spat on the ground and my spit was red. That's how much red smoke that I inhaled. And I would, I would, my ticket was on row 26 of the cop. The cop is the best stand in the world. And it, we were singing away. We were setting the atmosphere. We were singing, singing, supporting our team. Because we know that if the atmosphere is right, it's almost like our team is 1-0 up to start with. And what happened was, I've never seen this before in my entire life, entire life, but the team that we were playing was a team called Villarreal from Spain, and they absolutely fell apart. In the first 10 minutes, they put the ball out of play three times, and they didn't need to, and they scored an own goal. It was You could visibly see their knees knocking together because they were so scared because the Liverpool fans had set the atmosphere that said Liverpool are going to win this game. And we did win the game 3-0, but we didn't win the final. But atmosphere is absolutely everything. And God really cares about atmosphere. In fact, in Genesis 1, it talks about creation and God creating the world. And it says that at, at first, the earth was formless and God's spirit was hovering over the surface of the earth and it's like God looked at the at the world in what it was before he started speaking into it and he looked at it and he said this isn't ideal for growth and what God did is he spoke light he spoke uh, for birds of the air and fish of the sea to be created and he spent five days getting the atmosphere absolutely right so that on the sixth day he could put Adam and Eve humanity into the perfect atmosphere and when it was perfect the first thing that God told Adam and Eve to do does anyone know what the first instruction in the Bible is the first instruction in the Bible is go forth and multiply go and have sex Adam and Eve yes that's awkward isn't it God said God said when the atmosphere was right now's the time to multiply Now is the time to grow. God spent five days getting the atmosphere absolutely right so that humanity could grow. And, you know, whether you believe in God tonight or not, whether you believe, you know, I'm not really bothered how God created the world. He might have done it in six days. He might have done it for a big bang. He might have done it through evolution. He might have done it through a sneeze. I don't really care about that. don't really know what I believe about it. All I know is that I totally believe that God created the world. Because I look at the, the, the uh, like special design, the intricate design about the world and about where we are uh, in our atmosphere, in our, in our solar system. And I just think that could not have happened by accident. But, you know, atmosphere is really important. And you need to know that every one of us carries an atmosphere around us. You have an atmosphere that you carry. And um, I want to look at what Wikipedia says about the Earth's atmosphere and then what that says about our atmosphere. Because who knows Wikipedia is really reliable. Girls at the back, if you could listen, that would be amazing. Wikipedia is not that reliable. But I went to Wikipedia and Wikipedia says four things about the world's atmosphere, our atmosphere. Number one is that our atmosphere helps us to breathe. It, keeps, it gives us oxygen. The second thing 
is that our atmosphere protects us. I'm a little bit geeky and I'm into space, but when if a meteorite comes towards Earth, um, most, if not all, meteorites, when they come towards Earth, get burned up in the Earth's atmosphere. The atmosphere protects us. It regulates, it keeps the temperature going. That's why people are concerned about global warming, because the atmosphere is changing and warming up. But the atmosphere is there to regulate. And finally, number four, it enables flight. Planes wouldn't get off the ground if it wasn't for the atmosphere around the Earth. And I want to ask you, is your atmosphere like the Earth's atmosphere? Because I believe... It should be. So the first one, do you, does the atmosphere around you and the atmosphere that you carry help people to breathe? Now, I'm not talking about, <gasps> but do people feel relaxed when they're around you? Or are you a person that sucks the oxygen out of a room when you're about? Or what about, does your atmosphere protect people? Are you somebody that stands up for the broken? that stands up for those that are hurting, that stands up for people that are being bullied? The, are, are, is your, are you a person that stands up and says, I'm, I'm not going to let that happen because that's wrong? Or do you blame other people? Do you throw people under the bus? Not literally, please don't ever do that. But do you go, it wasn't me, it was them, and constantly look to protect yourself rather than others? Does the atmosphere around you regulate does it, does it stay the same? Or when people are around you, are they like, I wonder what mood they're in. I wonder what mood Andy's in today. Because if, if he's in a good mood, he'll be brilliant. But if he's in a bad mood, oh my word, things are going to happen. Are people treading on eggshells when they're around you? Or do people feel like they can rely on you? And then finally, does your atmosphere enable flight? Does the atmosphere around you help people feel like they can achieve? That when people spend time with you, do they feel like they can achieve stuff? Do they feel like they could fly? Or do you pull them back down to earth with a bump? I want to look at because I look at that and I go, yeah, mm, maybe. Mm, mm. Uh, don't get me wrong, my answer isn't yes to all of those about me. But I think what we're going to look at tonight, we're going to look at a little story um, about Jesus tonight in the Bible. And I think there's some things that we can learn about atmosphere that will help us answer those questions. Um, so we're going to look at Luke 8. It's going to come up on the screen, so don't worry if you've not got a Bible. Um, but it's coming up on the screen, Luke 8, and we're going to start in verse 40. And it says this, Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. Who's 12 here tonight? So there's a girl who is about your age who's dying. And this father is coming to Jesus and saying, come and help us. We're going to skip to verse 49, because um, there's stuff in between that we don't need to read. Um, but it says this, while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. When Jesus arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. 
Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Imagine being in that room. That is scarier than any clown stood in a bush. Like, that would freak me out. Um, And it says this, Then Jesus told them, Give her something to eat. She's been dead for crying out loud. Someone get her a hamburger. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Somebody has let the cat out the bag there. Um, I want to pick up four things about atmosphere, um, and then I want us to pray together, and we're going to see what God might want to do. The first thing about atmosphere is that atmosphere is tangible. What I mean by tangible is you can feel it. You can you can almost touch it, uh, and it says this in verse 30, 52. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Who knows that when Jesus stepped into that environment, he would have been able to feel the atmosphere of death. You know, you might, you will, you will have all been in a situation like this. Imagine you're going to meet two of your, two of your best mates that you've been texting all, all day and you're looking forward to meeting up with them and you're meeting up with them at the bus stop. And you arrange to meet them at this certain bus stop and you're, you're excited, you get dressed, you leave the house, you're like, yes, can't wait to hang out with my mates. And you're walking there and they're already there and they get to the bus stop. And while they're waiting for you, they have a huge argument and they fall out. And they sat there at either end of the bus stop like this, just giving each other dirty looks, writing about each other on Instagram or whatever. And they, you arrive and you're like, hiya guys, how's it going? How many of you know that you would feel the atmosphere in that bus stop? That you step into it and you go, oh. And you go in and you go, hi guys, I'm going to get the train, not the bus, see you later. And you, you can feel the atmosphere. And you know, that's why tonight we work really hard on the atmosphere. Because atmosphere is really important. That's why we set the lights at a certain tone. That's why we have music playing. Because we want the atmosphere to be right. Because if you step into an environment and the atmosphere is wrong, you can feel it. And if you step into an atmosphere and the atmosphere is right, you can feel it. And we have to fight for the right atmosphere. Because the atmosphere is the message. The atmosphere is the message. Let me explain that. I can say to Laura that I love her. I probably do on average once a day, I think, maybe. Uh, it depends if I want something. But I can say to Laura, Laura, I love you. Okay? And I mean it. Or I could go, yeah, I love you. Now, the second one, I'm saying the same thing, but it doesn't feel the same, does it? Because it's about the way that I say it. And the atmosphere of how I communicate that is really important. And, you know, if you are a Christian tonight and you're passionate about your friends meeting Jesus, let me tell you that the atmosphere is the message. That people aren't aren't listening to what you're saying. They're looking for your atmosphere. They're looking, is your atmosphere something that I can depend on? Is your atmosphere something that protects me? Is your atmosphere something that gives me a chance to breathe and an ability to fly? If your atmosphere is right then you are communicating the right message. People aren't listening to what you say. They're looking at your atmosphere. Second point. So the first point is atmosphere is tangible. The second point is that atmosphere is created 
by someone. In verse 49, the guy speaks an atmosphere of death. He comes into the moment and he says, your daughter is dead. Talk about creating an atmosphere. And then he says, don't bother Jesus, the teacher, any more. You know, if, we don't, if you don't create the atmosphere, somebody else will. Somebody else will create the atmosphere. We have got to take responsibility for creating the atmosphere around ourselves. I've, um, I've just moved office, so my office was um, just the other side of those doors. My office is now down on the youth floor, um, where the table tennis rooms were in youth by the lounge, um, if you know where that is. And last week, our office was absolutely freezing because the heating hadn't gone on. And I sat there and I, I was putting coats on and I was running around the office to try and get warm. It was absolutely freezing. And the reason I couldn't do anything about it was because I don't know how to turn the heating on in our building. And it's a, it's, it's a complicated heating system. But the thing is, I was thinking about that. And when I was thinking about atmosphere and I was thinking about my cold office, you know, I think sometimes we're scared to create the atmosphere because we view ourselves as thermometers and not thermostats. It's a weird thing to say, isn't it? Hey, everyone, you're a thermostat, not a thermometer. What kind of weird thing is Andy going on about now? See, a thermometer has in it either alcohol or mercury. And what happens when it gets warm? The mercury or the alcohol expands and tells you what temperature it is. And if it cools, the mercury or the alcohol shrinks. It, it reacts dependent on the temperature of the room. Whereas a thermostat, a thermostat controls the temperature of a room. That If I want the room to be warmer, there's a thermostat over there that I can go over to this thermostat over here and I can turn it up. To, to 25 degrees and we'll all feel like we're on holiday because it's so warm in here. A thermostat sets the temperature of a room, whereas a thermometer responds to the temperature in the room. And I think when it comes to creating the atmosphere, too many times we act like thermometers. Is that we go into a situation where the atmosphere is, is something different to what, we, what we're used to and we respond to it and we change so the atmosphere in our office was cold. So what I was doing was I was putting on coats because that's how I responded to the atmosphere. And it might be that you go into situations that today, tonight you're lifting your hands up and you're singing praises to Jesus and you're going, God, I love you so much and I stand and with arms high and heart abandoned and all that kind of stuff. And tomorrow morning you're going, F off you. And, you, and your atmosphere changes dependent on the environment that you're in. But the reality is, is that we're called to be thermostats. We're called to set the atmosphere. That when we go into a room, that we don't respond to, to, the, to what's going on in the room, but the room responds to, to what we are carrying. And so often we change our atmosphere dependent on the environment that we're in. And Jesus here, he takes control of the atmosphere because he understands that he's got a creator. So he chooses who he allows in the room. It says that he allows Peter, James, and John and the mum and dad into the room. Everyone else who's just crying and in a state because she's dead and everyone's going, oh, she's dead, she's dead, she's dead, she's dead. He goes, you stay out the room. I'm bringing a new atmosphere. And he takes control of who he's letting in. And, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. You show me your friends and I will show you your future. 
because your friends determine the quality and the direction of your life. And you know, if you want to carry an atmosphere that is changing, that is the atmosphere that God wants you to have on your life, then you have to think very carefully about who you allow into the atmosphere of your life. And I'm not saying don't be friends with anybody who's not a Christian. That is not what I'm saying. But I'm saying some people you need to allow to be in close and let them speak into your life and let them help you shape your life. Other people, you will know the people that, that, that suck the oxygen out of a room. Don't let them affect your atmosphere. Point number three, atmosphere always has its opponents. In verse 53, it says, they laughed at him knowing that she was dead. Jesus is trying to create an atmosphere and people are laughing at him, going, oh, she's dead. What are you on about your whopper? Um, I don't think they said that. Um, but atmosphere always has its opponents. I remember when I used to run a theatre company going into prison um, and I used to spend my time going in and out of prison, standard for a scouser. Um, but I used to run a, a theatre company and we used to go in and perform our play, Cell 7. Now, our play was absolutely phenomenal. I didn't write it. Um, this guy wrote it for us. And, and he sat down and he, um, he directed it for us. He told us what to do and how to say stuff and where to go and all that kind of stuff. And I played a young offender. So I played a criminal. So I had my head shaved, which I always do. I had prison gear on and I would, I would open the play. And I would come out and I, there would be a chair sat here and I would come out from backstage and I'd have my hands down my trousers because that's what prisoners do. And I'd sit down and he said, the director said this to me, Andy, it is your job to set the atmosphere. And he said, what I need you to do is you're going to sit down and you're going to pick somebody in the audience and you're going to stare at them and you are going to deliver your monologue to that person. And he said, in your head... I want you to be really angry because that will come across as you say it. And I want you to deliver it. And I want you to set the atmosphere that people are quite tense. So every time I would come out, and this was really easy when we performed our play in churches. Because let's face it, I look harder than most people in churches. But then, when we went into prison, that was terrifying. Because I'm sitting down and I'm thinking, I'm looking at this person in the eye and I'm sat in a room trying to be hard, trying to set the atmosphere and be threatening and all these people are in prison and they're all harder than me. But I used to do it anyway because I'm brave or stupid. And this one time we were in a prison just outside of Manchester and I sat down and I stared at this guy and this guy was annoying me because he wasn't listening. And he was, he was looking at his mate. And I could see he was talking. And I thought, I'm going to stare you out. I'm going to make myself angry at you. And you are going to listen. And I'm delivering my monologue. And I'm getting angry. I'm scrunching my face up as you do. And then all of a sudden, halfway through my, my, my monologue, bang, he just knocks out the fella next to him. No word of a lie. Then jumps on top of him and starts panning his head in. And I'm like, ah! And Honestly, it was crazy. Everybody stood up. I'm like, what on earth do I do here? That one of the girls on our team who was like this nice 18-year-old American comes out to carry on the scene. I'm like, get backstage now. So she goes backstage. Fortunately, there was a couple of prison officers in the room. They piled in, twisted them up and took them away. And uh, my colleague who, uh, who used to run the music stuff, he just was like, oh, yeah, boys, sit down, sit down, leave the drama to us. And then we started again. But I was trying to set an atmosphere and somebody opposed it. Somebody 
broke into the atmosphere and changed it. And you know, as you step out, as you step up and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a thermostat, let me tell you, there will be people and there will be things that want to come against the atmosphere that you are trying to set. Jesus has it right here. Atmosphere has its opponents. And you know, there's a guy who leads a church in Northern Ireland and he tweeted a couple of weeks ago. He said, opposition reveals that your enemy is utterly convinced that what is on you will change the community if it is not contained. Opposition reveals that your enemy is utterly convinced that what is on you will change the community if it is not contained. And for those of you that, that, that normally come to church, you'll know that this week we've, we've announced some pretty big stuff. And, you know, on, on Wednesday we talked to College Age and Resound, and this morning I spoke to Excel. And we, we are really excited about what God is going to do. And we're really expectant of what God might do in you guys and how God is going to grow you, but also how God is going to use us to reach our community. And, you know, we've been, we've been working on this for, for eight or nine months and thinking about it and praying about it. And we're going to continue to try stuff out. And we want you guys to step out with us and help us make this youth ministry the best it can be, not just for this church, but for our town. And I really believe that God's going to do incredible stuff in the next few years. I'm excited. I'm terrified. Because if it works, oh my gosh, we could see hundreds of people come to know Jesus. If it doesn't work, oh my gosh, I don't know what we'll do. But you know what? I'm excited and I totally believe that what God is doing in us collectively and as individuals could transform our community. And you know, as we've begun to step it out since September and try some stuff... I want to tell you that I have had some opponents, not necessarily people, but as we stepped out into stuff, it has been really tough. There's some stuff that has come up in my life that I was like, where on earth has that come from? And it's trying to knock me and trying to oppose me. And it's made me even more convinced that what God is doing here will transform our community. Atmosphere always has its opponents. One more point. And then we're going to pray. Dan, do you want to make your way up? The final point is atmosphere is light-based. In verse 52, Jesus speaks light. He says, she is not dead. She is asleep. Jesus speaks light into the situation. When God created the world in, in, the, in the first bit of the Bible, he says, when God created light, he said, let there be light God is a God of light, and our atmosphere should be light-based. You know, we live in a world starved of light. We live in a world that is dark. I don't need to tell you that. You just need to switch on the news, and you know what is going on. You need to look at your, your Instagram feeds and your Twitter feeds. They will tell you that this world is a dark place. Talk to your friends at school. Maybe some of your stories, you will know that this world is a dark, dark place. And we don't need more people walking around going, she's dead, she's dead. Jesus didn't need to walk into that situation and go, she's dead. Jesus needed to come into that situation and speak light and speak hope to carry an atmosphere of light. We need to be people who speak light. You know, you might need light in your life tonight. You might be a person that, that doesn't, no, Jesus, tonight might be the first time you've ever thought about God. Let me tell you, 
some good news. Every time we switch on the news, it's bad news, bad news, bad news. Let me tell you some good news tonight. Jesus is the hope for our world. The brokenness that is in our world, Jesus is the hope. I know that myself. I know, you know, I, I grew up going to church, but year seven, eight, and nine, I didn't pay any attention. And I went down a dark path and I was making decisions and messing up my life and making decision after decision that was leading me to destruction. And it was leading me on a dark path. And I had a moment on my own in my bedroom where I said, God, I don't want to go my way anymore. I want to follow your way. God, I don't want to make dark decisions. I want to choose to be in an atmosphere of light. And all I said was, Jesus, I want to follow you. And nothing weird or magical happened. Angels didn't come and do river dance on my pillow or anything like that. I just got up the next day and thought, I'm going to make decisions that are light-based. And, you know, it's absolutely transformed the atmosphere around my life. And I don't want to just give good advice to you tonight. I want to tell you good news. You know... If you wanted to be a millionaire, I could give you good advice and give you five top tips on how to become a millionaire. That's good advice. Good news is, hey, here's a check for a million pounds with your name on it. See, good advice tells you what you need to do. Good news tells you what has been done. Let me tell you the good news of what has been done. It's that Jesus loves you so much that he wants you to be in a relationship with God the Father. God the Father who created the world and and spent five days getting the atmosphere just right for us to grow. And you know, we mess it up. We make decisions to to get, we make decisions to go against God. We we make decisions, we do stuff that, that, that is wrong and we all do it. I do it every day. And Jesus, what he did is he came to this earth and he led a life, and there's loads of stories in the Bible, like uh, the story about Jairus' daughter. And he led a life that was blameless. Jesus never did anything wrong. But then he took the punishment that you and I deserve. The Bible says that, that when we get it wrong, when we, when, the Bible calls it sin. It's quite an old-fashioned word. But it says when we mess up and when we get it wrong, the punishment for that is death. And what Jesus did on the, on the cross, you might have seen it as a religious symbol. When Jesus died on the cross, he took the punishment that me and you deserve. And he did it because he loves you. That person that was stood in the white square, he did it for you. But that story doesn't end there. Because if it does, it's just a story about a man who died on a cross. But the reality is, is that three days later, Jesus rose again from the dead. He stood up and he said, I've defeated death. I've dealt with, I've dealt with that. I've done it. That's what's done. And he says, now I want, I want you to know me. I want to be friends. I want to influence your atmosphere. I want to help you carry an atmosphere of light. Jesus has done that for each and every one of us whether you've been going to church for a long time or whether tonight is your first time, let me tell you that you can be a carrier of hope. Band, can you make your way to the stage? And um, In a moment, we're going to sing a song together. Um, The song 
is uh, called Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit is, is another aspect of God. And it says, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and change. Uh, fill the atmosphere. And we want to just welcome God into the atmosphere. He's already here. He's already speaking to us. But we want to open ourselves up. But remember, I talked about at the start. In Genesis 1, God took five days creating the world and getting the atmosphere just right and when the atmosphere was right he said go forth and multiply guys who come regularly what we're trying to do is get the atmosphere perfect so that we can go forth and multiply and that's why we're making some of the changes that we want to make is because we want the atmosphere to be perfect for you to grow but for us to grow and for this room of about 50 people to become 100 people and 150 people. But that starts with us getting our atmosphere right and getting in the atmosphere of God and saying, God, would you come and meet with me? So why don't you stand to your feet? You don't need to come down the front. But stand to your feet and we're going we're gonna to sing this song together and then we're going to see what God might want to do. So let's sing. <laughs>